We uh, enter part two of this uh, Limitless series, and I say part two because I don't know if it will be part three. Um, my team asked me this morning if we were going to stop the faith series this week, and I said, I don't know. We'll see at the end of service, see what the Lord says. Um, but we've been talking about faith. Uh, we're in this series called Limitless Life, taking the limits off of the way that you see different parts of different things. So we talked about taking the limits off of the way that you see Jesus. We talked about taking the limits off of the way that you see the church, recognizing that we are the church, not this building, but we are the church. And then we talked about taking the limits. Right now, we're talking about taking the limits off of the way that you see faith. Um, we talked uh, about what faith is. Um, faith, we said to define it, as the Amplified Bible defines it, as a trust and personal confidence in God in his power, and in his word. Trust. A personal confidence in God, in his power, and in his word. Then we said that faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. Faith. Then we said faith is the pipeline to get God's will from the spiritual realm to the natural. We talked about trust and confidence. We said trust and confidence comes from relationship. Um, and we have to be uh, in a relationship where we are consistently going to God. We are consistently seeking God and allowing God to direct our life. We, we answer this question, why is it necessary to have faith? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. We said that it's not our actions or our good works or our, our good deeds that please God. It's faith. Faith is how we please God. We talked about that last week, and, and we said it's not that what we do that pleases God. It's what we do by faith that pleases God. And we pose the question, is what you're doing requiring faith to do? When you look at these areas of your life, when you look at your job, when you look at your life, when you look at your kids, when you look at your finances, when you look at your giving, when you look at your serving, is what you're doing requiring faith to do? We said faith is not just this religious haphazard word that people just throw out when an impossible circumstance shows up and you don't know what to do. People say, oh, you know, this is going on and this is that's going on. You say, well, have faith. <laughs> this is not that. That's not what faith is. Faith is not an excuse for doing nothing. We talked about how faith requires action. Oh, God is going, you know what? God's just going to bless me with a job. God, I just thank you for a job just every day. God, I, I just thank you for a job. And you, you've never Googled a job. You've never looked on Indeed. You didn't tell them. All these help wanted signs you're driving past every day. Hey, you saw, you saw um, uh, in and out there. They're hiring. They got benefits. Yeah, no, no. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. No. Faith is not an excuse for inaction. And then we said faith is not a wish. We can't say that we're walking in faith when really we're just wishing and hoping for something to happen. 
We said faith is rooted at its core belief on two things. Now, I'm going to talk about these things today, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep going over it because I, I feel like it's so important. We talked about in Hebrews 11:6. we said that these are the two areas that we have to be settled. We have to believe that God is God. And we have to believe that he cares about us. We have to believe that God is God. And we have to believe that he cares about us. So that's just a recap. Those are just some of the things that we talked about last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go look at the podcast um, or, or, or go watch the video. Um, but today, I want to talk about the why. We, we talked about the who, the what, and the when of faith. Today, I want to hone in on why it is important that we take the limits off of the way that we see faith. Why? Why is it important? It's because when we take the limits off of the way that we see faith, we unlock the door to the limitless life that God has for us to live. I'm going to say that again. When we take the limits off of the way that we see faith, we unlock the door to the limitless life that God has for us to live. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Everything that man has considered a limit, Jesus came to defy. Cultural limits we saw between Jews and Samaritans, he did away with that. Social limits between the rich and the poor, he did away with that. Gender limits between the roles of men and women in ministry, he did away with that. Even physical limits where he had people heal it, where he healed the sick, where he uh, gave sight to the blind, even to the point of where he recovered limbs. Jesus showed us that when it comes to fulfilling the will of God, there are no limits. There's nothing that he's not willing to do. God is ready and willing to do what we deem is impossible. Not only that, but he's ready and willing to do it through us. God blesses his people, and oftentimes he does that through us. But the only way that we can do that is if we're in a position to be used. If we're in a position to do that. And the only way that we can be in a position to be used is we have to find ourselves in a position of faith. We have to find ourselves in a position to faith, of faith. Faith is the key that unlocks the door to the limitless life that God desires us to have. Jesus gave us glimpses in his word of just what this looked like. Here is why this is, this is important. I have lived a considerable amount of, of my adulthood, which is not much, I get it, but I've lived a considerable amount of my adulthood really walking by faith. And I've seen God do some miraculous things, like some out-of-this-world things. I just I, Last week, I gave you guys three examples I could think off the top of my head of things that he's done in our, our team members' lives and in my life that people would have deemed impossible. I so want for believers 
to walk in this faith. Because God has something that he wants us to do. I talk a lot about revival and about how my desire is, and I believe that God said that he wants to see revival in the city of Woodland. It has to happen through us. The way that it happens is when we have the faith to believe that God can do it. Not only that he can do it, but that he can do it through us. This is why that's important. This is why that matters. Matthew chapter 17. Woo! Matthew chapter 17. I'm going to start at verse 14. It says, when they approached the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, kneeling before him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, moonstruck, and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. I brought him to your disciples. They weren't able to heal him, and Jesus answered, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked, why could we not drive it out? He answered, because of your little faith, because of your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God. For I assure you and most solemnly say to you, if you have living faith, the size of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there. And if it's God's will, it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Matthew chapter 21, Matthew chapter 21, Matthew chapter 21, verse 18. Now, early in the morning, as Jesus was coming back to the city, he was hungry. Amen. I, I, I'm with you. Verse 19, seeing a lone fig tree at the roadside, he went to it and found nothing but leaves on it. And he said to it, never again will fruit come from you. And at once the fig tree withered. When the disciples saw it, they were astonished and asked, how is it that the fig tree withered all away at once? Jesus replied to them and said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, if you have faith, if you have trust and personal confidence in me, and do not doubt or allow yourself to be double-minded, allow yourself to be drawn in two directions, you, won't, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen if God wills it. And whatever you ask for in prayer, believing you will receive. See, Jesus illustrates here in two separate accounts that our faith paired with God's will, unleashes something beyond the limits of what we think is possible. In Matthew, he says, and nothing will be impossible for you. In Mark, Jesus says, if you don't doubt and believe what you say will take place in according to God's will, it will be done. In Mark, Jesus isn't using metaphors. Jesus is right outside of Jerusalem. He's walking through the Mount of Olives or what's called Mount Olivet. And he uses the most biggest, obvious thing in the view. He uses the biggest thing in the view, the mountains, to illustrate that when faith is applied, nothing consistent with the will of God is impossible. And the skeptic would say, well, it's Jesus. He's the son of God. 
course he would say that. He's like walking around healing people, and the hem of his garment is healing people, and he's touching and limbs grow back. Yeah, it's easy for Jesus to say that. And I would say, touche. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22. Matthew 14 through uh, verse 22 reads, As soon as the people were fed, Jesus told his disciples to get into their boat and to go to the other side of the lake while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. Verse 23, after the crowds dispersed, Jesus went up to the hills to pray. And as night fell, he was there praying alone. But disciples who were now in the middle of the lake ran into trouble, for their boat was being tossed about by the high winds and the heavy seas. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, a ghost. Verse 27, then Jesus said, be brave and don't be afraid. I am here. Verse 28, Peter shouted, Lord, if it's really you, then have me join you on the water. Come and join me, Jesus replied. So Peter stepped out onto the water and began to walk towards Jesus. But when he realized how high the waves were, he became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, What little faith you have, why did you let doubt win? Okay? So uh, Jesus is definitely walking on water here. But Peter is illustrating something that we have to walk away with today. They're on the boat. They all hear from Jesus. They hear him say that it's him. They hear him say not to be afraid. But Peter took it a step further. Because of his trust, because of his faith, because of his personal confidence in Jesus, he said, if it's you, have me join you on the water. He illustrated something in this moment. He believed that Jesus had the power to allow him, a man, to do something that they believed that only someone supernatural or other than natural could do. What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, he just said... When Jesus was on the water and they saw him walking on the water, they assumed it was a ghost. So in their mind, the only way that you can walk on water is if you're a ghost, and now they see, or if you're Jesus. And he says, Jesus, if that's you, let me come out there with you. And Jesus says, come. Peter stepped out on the boat and began to walk on the water to Jesus. What happened? What happened in this moment? Peter exercised his faith. Peter put his faith into action. The other disciples were just satisfied with the word. The other disciples were satisfied when Jesus said, it's me and don't be afraid. Jesus was like, okay. And Peter was like, okay. Okay, if it's you, I heard what you said, I know what you said, but if it's really you, 
to have me come out on the water. Because I believe that you're Jesus. I believe that you're God. I believe that you have the power to do it. Here's the thing. We cannot be a people who are just satisfied with the word. We can't be a people who are just satisfied with the word. We have to put our faith into action. You got a great football player on a, on a team. You don't just leave them on the bench. Whether it's the 49ers or the Raiders, you, you, put them in, you put them into the field. And then when you put them into the field, you don't let one snap go by and then pull them back out. No, you let them get out there and you let them work. We have to put our faith into the field. We have to put our faith into action. James 1 verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's not me. That's the scriptures. Do what it says. We have to put our faith into action. And what has happened, what has happened is that some of us have allowed doubt and fear and unbelief to hinder us from receiving all that God has for us. The Bible says, guard the doorpost of your heart, for out of it flows the issues of, of life, okay? So guard the doorpost. What are the doorposts? The doorposts are your ears, your mouth, your eyes, these things that are pouring into you because they are seeds that are being planted into your heart. So what has happened? What has happened is the seeds that you have been planting have been robbing your faith. Well, pastor, what do you mean? What do you mean with seeds I've been planting? I don't know. What are you watching? I get you want to know what's going on in the world, but let me tell you something. Every eight minutes, the news just keeps cycling and cycling and cycling. So you want to know what's going on? Watch it. Turn it off. You shouldn't be there for hours watching what's going on because what's happening is you think you're getting informed and what's happening is really fear is being pumped into your eyes. What are you listening to? What are your conversations? What are the conversations that you're listening to? What, these things and what it's doing is it's just robbing your faith. And you're somewhere, you know, thinking the world is going to end. Because if you're not careful, you done went down a rabbit hole Googling all kinds of stuff. And what's happening is, is faith is being, faith is just being uprooted out and fear is being planted. And so we walk with this fear, our fear of disappointment, a fear of what if God doesn't come through? What if, what if I didn't hear him? Um, and it stopped us from putting our faith into action and seeing God do the miraculous. I don't care what age you are. I remember vividly, I was, I was 17 years old when I first put my faith out into the field. And the reason I want to bring this up is because I see there are a lot of young people today, and I love it. Thank you for coming, and I'm glad you're not asleep. So here's the thing. I put my faith into the field at 17 years old, and it changed the course of my life. Bible talks about having the faith of a child. It's because when you're a child, you believe anything. I could go tell my son Cadence that Peter Pan is real and he will fight me on it for the rest of the day. 
when you put your faith out there and you see God do something at a young age, it carries you for the rest of your life. Because people can, can take away what people can, can question your belief, they can question your theology, but what they can't question is your experience. And when you experience faith and you experience God moving at a young age, it will change your life. That was on the side. That was, that was just a little extra. All right. Understand this. God is not hindered by your doubt. God is not hindered by your lack of faith. God is not hindered by your fear. You are. When you doubt, you don't have the faith to believe that God can do what he's willing and ready to do. Your doubts hinder your belief. When we look at verse 31 of, of, of our, our, our text, Jesus didn't start sinking when Peter became frightened by the waves. Peter did. Jesus was still walking on the water. And when Peter let doubt in, Peter cried to Jesus, who was still walking on the water, and Jesus reached up and grabbed him. And in most sermons, they'll spend a lot of time on Peter, and they'll hone in on his lack of faith. But here's the thing, they'll leave out the disciples. Because the disciples all had the opportunity, but they didn't take it. The only thing worse than first walking on water and then drowning is having the opportunity to walk on water and never taking it. Let me find out I'm there and somebody's walking on water. You feel me? Jesus, if that's you, walk on water. Is he walking? Jesus, me too. I want to walk. Let, come on, y'all. Let's all walk on the water. What am I getting at? There are some big faith things that God desires for us. There's some big faith things that he desires for us to do, but we got to put our faith into action. Faith is the key to unlock that life. Faith is the key to unlock the limitless life that God has for us. We can talk all day about Peter's lack of faith. But please don't forget that it was Peter's walking by faith. It was his putting his faith into action that allowed him to be on the water in the first place. It was Peter's beginning to believe God that allowed him to do what others deemed was impossible in the first place. Man, Peter wanted more. Peter wasn't just satisfied with it being Jesus. Peter wasn't just satisfied with the word. He wasn't satisfied with Jesus, with, with just what Jesus said. He wanted to do what Jesus did, and he wanted to be where Jesus was. He wanted more. We got to get to a point to where we want more. We can't just, just read it and, 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 just re and we make a habit out of just reading it. God says, no, don't just read the word. I didn't leave it here. For you. It's not a storybook. I didn't leave it here for you to just read it. I left it here so that you can read it and then you can put it into action and then you can go and do it. God has impossible for us to do, to do but we have to walk by faith. We have to put it into the field. Not just walk by faith, we have to live by faith. 
Because faith isn't just a concept that you live. It's not just a sermon series. It's not just something that's good for a particular part of the year. This is something that has to be an everyday part of your everyday life. It is a lifestyle. Faith is a lifestyle. When we have something that comes up, we should immediately go to God in faith. When a situation arises, we immediately go to God in faith. When your marriage is getting jacked up, we immediately go to God in faith. When your kids is acting up, you immediately go to God in faith. When your finances is acting up, amen, you immediately go to God in faith. Why? Because when you make a habit of going to God in faith and we make a habit of that lifestyle, God makes a habit of coming through every single time. It's not just this thing that's in the book. And it's not just this thing for like, we see, I used to think, oh, this is just a thing for like hierarchy Christians. I don't know what that is, but like just Christians that are like, like people who really walk with God every day. I said, Jesus, no. If you believe, then this is for you. If you believe, then this is for you. Romans 1 says, for in it, verse 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 17 says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. It starts with faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live Amen. by faith. Not occasionally walk to faith, not occasionally check in with faith, not just read the scriptures on faith and then go home and then take your notes and put it in the trunk or put it and not go back. No, he says you live by faith. Who is the righteous? Well, Jesus says that when we've accepted Christ, that we were clothed in righteousness until the day of redemption. So we are the righteous. So the righteous shall live by faith because when you do, when you live by faith, when you're settled in who God is, when you're settled in his love for you, you're confident that when you step out on faith, that God is with you, that he's right there with you. And should something happen, should you take your eyes off of him, should you get overwhelmed by life's storms and lose focus, Jesus is right there to pick you up. He's right there. He says, I'm not going anywhere. I will be right there. Verse 31 says, Jesus immediately stretched out his hand. He didn't see him drown him like, man, that's, yeah, you, you should have had more faith, but yeah, you got all the way out here and now you're, no, well. No, he said, when he saw him drown, he says, he immediately lifted him up. How could he do that? Because he was right there. He was right there with Peter. God isn't going to ask you to do the impossible and leave you high and dry. God is not like man, okay? God is not like people. He's not going to ask you to do something and then leave you high and dry. No, God's like, I'm right there. And here's the thing, as, as, I'm, as, I'm, as I'm looking at this, Peter is walking out and he's making his way towards Jesus. He hadn't made it to Jesus yet. And he began to sink. So at some point, Jesus had to make his way to Peter to make sure that he could be there when he lifted him up. God is willing to move to get to you. Where are you at? Oh, oh, you know what? That, that, didn't, that didn't work out the way you planned? Don't worry. Hey, I got you right here. Don't you worry about it. I'm, don't, don't, don't you fret. I'm right here with you. The righteous shall live by faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. God isn't going to do the impossible and leave you high and dry. He's going to be right there with you to see it through to its finish. See it through to its finish. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking away from all that will distract us to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive of our belief. Here we go. And is also the finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. So it says he is the source. He is the beginning. And then it says he's also the finisher. He is the one who will partner with us to make sure that our faith makes it to the finish line. Because when we walk out on faith, when we do what believers have been called to do, when we do what the, what the world deems as impossible, God gets the glory. That's where it is. He says, I'm going to make sure it's happened because when it happens, I know that I get the glory. God has called us to live a limitless life. Faith is the key that unlocks the access to this life. There is more that he desires for us to do. And if we really want to see heaven on earth, if we really want to see revival, if we really want to see things happening, we have to be ready for more. But faith is the recipe for us to get there. We're not here on earth just to be a child and then worry and then be an adult and worry and then go to work and worry and then get married and worry and then have kids and worry. No. There are people who need to witness the goodness and the glory of God. And God wants to use us to do it. Because when they see his glory, they get inspired. And God, they see that glory best when we walk out on faith. When you walk out on the water and do what others deem as impossible. When we walk out and, and people say, oh, no, there's no way that you'll be able to do that. And we say, oh, you, you, we, we obviously don't serve the same God. Because there's nothing that's impossible for God. We had an event uh, a couple of years back that we wanted to do. Um, my wife knows, don't tell me something or don't say like, you know what, I really think we should do this because I'm going to try to do it. All right. So we had this event that we, uh, we wanted to do. I was um, uh, traveling. I was on tour at this time. Um, I was doing this tour and I believe we were in Portland, Oregon. Um, hold on. Hold on that, Nevea. Um, we were at this tour in Portland, Oregon. And as we um, were there, they were doing this community event. Um, and they did this community event, and, and my wife and I was so inspired um, because I've been living in Woodland for about 10 years. My, my wife uh, has grown up right around this area, and I, I, I live in a place uh, right down the street here, actually. And so I get to see all of the kids walking home from school, whether it's the elementary school kids or it's the kids at Pioneer, Woodland Christian, they all have to walk past the street. And so I would see these kids, and I would see them sometimes not have shoes. I don't know how they, anyway, they didn't have shoes, or their, their backpack was, was dirty, or they were, were looking, you know, just in a, in a bad spot. And I would see this. And so we were at this event uh, in Portland, Oregon, and we saw this church ministering to these families. And she says, you know what? We should do that. 
And I said, you know what? You're right. Let's do it. And so I immediately came home and began to pray about doing this event. And I was trying to think of a name for the event. And so we wound up calling the event, I Give Help. Help Help stood for hope, encouragement, love, and purpose. Giving people hope, encouraging them, them showing them the love of God, and pursuing their purpose. I Give Help was the name of the event. And I said, you know what, we should do it. And at this event, they had backpacks uh, with school supplies, and I think it was like food, right? They had backpacks and food in Portland, yes. And so I said, I think we should do that. And so I got home, and me being who I am, I was like, I need to figure out how to do this. I need to get a nonprofit status. I need to figure out all these things. And so for months, I'm just trying to figure it out. And then came the budget part. Uh, I hadn't thought that part through very well. Um, I said, you know what, we should, we should do this and we should have the backpacks and we should get some jump houses and, and, and we should, we should like get, get care kits for the kids and we should figure out a way to do haircuts. And, and I just started thinking of all of these things, knowing that I didn't have the resources to do it. I just started thinking it up and I said, you know what, let's just pray on, let's just pray about it. I'm going to continue the process of, of the 501c3 and a nonprofit. I'm going to do that, but let's just pray about it. And as I begin to pray about it, as we begin to pray about it, um, people begin to ask us, hey, what are you doing? I said, you know, well, I got this idea for this event, and I want to do this. And, I do. and they said, well, what about, you know, what about clothes? I was like, yes, let's do clothes too. Let's get people clothes. I don't know how we're going to do that, but let's figure it out. So I began to pray, and I said, thank you, God, for the resources. Because I don't have no idea how we're going to do this. But thank you, God, for the resources. And so I begin to believe. My wife and I begin to pray. I begin to get some family members of mine and tell them about it, and we begin to pray. And as the date got closer, things began to get clear. There were some points where I said, you know what? First of all, this paperwork with the government is too much. I'm not trying to do that. So I said, no, we got to keep going because people's people's lives will be impacted as a result of this. I said, okay, so we finished the paperwork. We we had some meetings, and they said, okay, well, why don't we write it out? So the Bible says, you know, the Bible doesn't say that. Don't do that. Write a plan. That's something that people say. You write the plan out. You write the plan out. You stick to that plan, and you move forward. Um, And so we began to write it out. And then stuff just started coming in. I said, you know, guys, let's, let's talk to some of the churches. Let's see if they can donate clothes. And they begin to donate clothes. And I say, you know what, let's, let's talk to some people, see if they can donate some book bags. And so the question was, how many people do you think are going to show? And I said, oh, yeah, two, two, three hundred people. That's it. They said, okay, cool. People tell us, hey, there's another backpack event that's going on. So, you know, if people don't show up, don't be, you know, don't feel some type of way. There's two other backpack events that are going on. I said, okay, no problem. They called us again. Hey, the tomato festival is going on. So, you know, if people don't show up, don't worry about it. I said, okay, you know, we're not worried about it. So we said about two, three hundred people will show up. And so we're trying to allocate the things. I've, write, I've uh, written letters to people asking for, for donations, a nonprofit. Miss Christina, actually, years ago, we, we uh, reached out to her and she was able, uh, through her company, to, to show into this event. And so we're just making it happen. 
And I'm looking and I'm watching God move. Someone called me, hey, I heard you're having this event. Do you guys need a food truck? We have this like Kona ice food truck. Maybe we can bring it out there and we can give out some, 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 um, some ice cream to the kids. Somebody else called, hey, um, I heard you were doing this event. You know, we got a chef. Um, we're a family business. We would love to come out and just make food. How many people? You're expecting two to 300 people. Oh, we love to be out there. Somebody, so, hey, I know you, know you guys need to get some jump houses. Here's some money to get the jump houses. And I'm excited at this point. I'm ready. Then we said, okay, well, let's, you know, we don't, won't do crazy on the promotions because there's a lot going on. And we said, okay, well, you know what? Let's just, you know, let's just put it in a little face, one Facebook group. And then I'll put some flyers at, 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 at um, Food for Less. And then I'll put some flyers over here, just about 10 flyers, and it should be good. That, that should be enough to cause it to happen. I said, okay, God, you're making this happen. We've got it taken care of. I have no idea how we paid for all of this. I have no idea how this happened, but we're here. We wanted to get shoes, but the, um, the person that we were using or the company that we were using wound up backing out at the last minute. So we weren't able to get the shoes. Or so we thought. A couple of days before, I want to say maybe one or two days before we get a phone call, hey, we're just going to go buy the shoes. And I said, hold on, we... We're talking for French. I can't buy no shoes. And he said, no, we're, we're going to sew the shoes. How many shoes do you expect? He said, oh, about three, 400 shoes. So we're going to go and we're going to buy three to 400 pairs of shoes, brand new for the people who need it. This is God moving. As I'm walking on the water, God is, don't worry about it. You'll see it in a second. Um, and God is just making it happen. And we get to the day of the event. We get to the day of the event. Show that first picture, Nevaeh. We get to the day of the event. The event starts at 1030. 8 o'clock we begin. No, the first picture, Nevaeh, the very first one. At 8 o'clock we begin setting up. Event don't start till 11. We're still putting tents up. We're still getting this stuff together. And a line begins forming. And I go out there and say, hey, guys. You know, you guys need some chairs or something. It's going to be a while before, you know, before we open up. They're like, no, we're fine. We're just happy to be here. I said, okay, praise God, hallelujah, you know. You know, I wish, you know, y'all could have helped set up. But anyway, uh, and a line begins forming. Show the second picture. This is about 15 minutes later. More people start showing up. And I go to my wife. I said, why are these people showing up so early? Maybe they thought it was going to be like, a big thing. I said, we only expected two, three hundred people. It should be fine. Next picture. This is about an hour before we started. At this point, this is what I expected to show up. This was my expectation. This is where I put my face. So I'm like, hallelujah, we did it. Hey, guys, successful event. Show the next picture. This is 30 minutes before we start. Excuse my cousins here in the front. They all have weird faces. This is, the, this is the other side of the park. This is the other side of the park, the other corner of Jack Slavin Park, the farthest uh, uh, area. The line has now gone from the front all the way, if you look behind them, all the way to the back, and it's now rounding the corner. 
Jesus has something planned that I hadn't even thought of or imagined myself nor my wife. See, I thought because all of these other events were going on and because people kept saying all this other stuff was going on, we anticipated two to 300 people. God said, no. I put this in your heart and in your wife's heart to do this event because there's something I have for you to do. There's a water that you need to walk in, a water that you need to believe God for. Show the next picture. You can keep going through them after this, Nevaeh. Then the news shows up. And I'm like, okay, all right. I put maybe 20 flyers out. I don't know what's going on. But then the news shows up. And then the Daily Democrat comes out. And then the mayor comes out. And then county officials are coming out. Show the next picture. Just keep going through them. And we had opportunities. We wound up partnering with the Yolo Food Bank. We wound up partnering with all these different organizations. Keep going, Nevaeh. We had an opportunity. Oh, go back to that, that last picture. At the last moment, we realized that we didn't have enough barbers. Because I, I said, you know, we probably need two barbers and two stylists. Made a phone call to one of the local uh, um, uh, salons here, and they said, oh, you having it? Oh, guess what? We're going to send over all our salonists to come and help you guys. Next picture. Barbers came through when people were able to get haircuts. Next picture. Backpacks. We were able to give out backpacks to these people. And, and, and keep in mind, this is not like a group of people that put on an event. It was just me and Sonia. That's it. That was thinking this up. And then the, we, we were able to call our family and we were able to call our loved ones. And they came together to allow this to happen. One dream that, 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 that my wife, well, now she regrets it, but one that she said and that we took, keep going, Nevaeh, uh, uh, the shoes. Kids went to school that year with a brand new haircut, with brand new book bags, with, with brand new shoes. Keep going. Keep going. We were able to give away bikes. Somebody came through and gave us five brand new bikes. Somebody else came through. They gave uh, Dutch Brothers gave us $100 worth of gift cards. Food for, for the kids. Keep going. Snow cones. We had another uh, 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 um, contractor come through, and they said, you know what, we'll, we'll do face painting. Last, uh, jump house in the next picture, the last one. This is what was most important. One of the things that we wanted to set up was a prayer tent. We said we want to make sure that people who are there get an opportunity to, to hear the message of Jesus and then get an opportunity to be prayed for and to respond. So what we just started out with as an idea, as something that God had placed in our heart for two or 300 people. How many people was the baby at the end? 863 people got ministered to. And somewhere in the midst of this, Jesus did a, a, a three fish loaf, three, three fish dinner because every person got to walk away with something and there was more left over. Why, why, did, I, why did I take the time to, do, to tell this story? It's because we're, we didn't do anything, you know, we're not what I call a hierarchy Christians. We're just regular people who believe God to do the impossible. And as a result of that, 
over 800 families' lives got touched, and they got to experience the love of God. They got an opportunity to see God walked out and manifested in people's lives because people decided to walk out on faith. If that, amen, if that was two of us, imagine what we could do here in this service. If we all made a decision to walk out on faith and we say, you know what? I'm no longer going to live this kind of little, just little get by life. I'm going to make a decision to walk on the water. I'm going to make a decision to, to turn my faith up to another level. I get it. The world is crazy right now. That has no effect on what God is able to do. Because when life is at its worst, your faith should be at its best. So I don't know what you stopped believing God for. I don't know what you deem is impossible. Maybe you figure because of your age, maybe you lost some time. No. Maybe you figure because of your education, you know, I didn't go to theology school. Most of us didn't. It's fine. I didn't do this or I'm not doing this. God uses the most incapable people to show his glory. It's not about what you've achieved. It's about the position of your heart. That's it. He just wants you to be available. That's it. And if you can say, God, I trust that you are God and I trust that you love me, that's all he needs. If you're ready for more, today is your day to no longer live a regular life, but live the limitless life of faith that God has called you to live. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you have have done and all that you